I was thinking about what to speak about this week, my mind kept going back to uh, some of the basic doctrinal things that we believe as primitive Baptists. And it just uh, occurs to me periodically that um, how important it is that we continue to establish or continue to go. Everything else revolves around, right? Um, as far as uh, doctrine and beliefs go, um, you know, the, um, I like the name Primitive Baptist. You know, it kind of sounds cool to me. Um, but again, understand it's not the name Primitive Baptist that we all love and hold dear to, right? It's the belief that they hold that makes us love uh, the Primitive Baptist Church. And there are going to be some things that you're, uh, you're probably, I'm not going to say only, but uh, almost only the, the only place that you will ever hear certain doctrinal things preached um, are in a Primitive Baptist Church. And that's what uh, makes this place and the other places like this so special to me is because they teach some of the very foundational things uh, that everything else revolves around. Uh, the habit of Paul and Peter and some of the other people, uh, preachers in the Bible, was to periodically to call to remembrance, to, to stir up people's pure minds and to remind them of just what some of the basic foundational things uh, concerning doctrine are. And I think that that's important for us as well. Because if Brother Tim and I uh, only ever preached to you things that had more, I guess, a life application uh, type uh, uh, theme to it, maybe like how to be a good husband, wife, uh, son, daughter, whatever, if that's all we ever did and we never went back to the basic foundational truths, uh, it wouldn't be long that we would just, we would lose our identity, right? We would just kind of be... Uh, you know, swept along the mainstream churches and, and there's nothing that would make us uh, what we preach and what, what we teach really any different from anybody else. Uh, but there are a few places around the world that are still preaching some of the thing, same things that Jesus preached and Paul preached and Peter preached. And if we don't go back and either reestablish those things or call your mind to remembrance, we will be lost, right? And so it's important to do that. And some of you may say, uh, I was talking to Tiffany about that this morning, and she had a good point. She said, you know, if there are ever people out there that just get tired of hearing the same old basic doctrinal things, you ought to ask them to, uh, to teach it to somebody. And what you'll find is they may not have it down like they think they do, you know, and maybe they need to be reestablished in it. I thought that was a really good point. Um, as far as the foundational things we believe, what I found is this. Maybe these, this is the first time you're ever going to have heard some of these things. But if you ask me what's the difference in you know, primitive Baptist or what the primitive Baptists believe, I can give you a two or three sentence answer, right? But I can also give you a, a two or three day answer, right? And for you to really be fully established uh, in some of the foundational things, it takes some teaching, right? Especially if you've been taught other things your whole life. Now, if you find somebody that's just a blank slate that just comes in and the Lord has gotten a hold of them and they're eager and uh, uh, have a desire to learn, you can probably uh, give them some you know, more basic answers. But generally speaking, I have found when you, when you give somebody that has had a lifetime of teaching a short, simple answer of what the primitive Baptist believes, that generates questions in their minds. And then when you answer those questions, that generates more questions. 
And it goes on and on and on. And that's, that's the process that I went through. Um, and, and as I began to understand some of these things, and Brother Tim and I would talk, and, and I would listen to him preach, and there would be, um, he would answer some of my questions. Then it would lead to, well, what about this? And what about that? And eventually, um, through study and through spending time with him and through faithfully sitting through the preaching, eventually all my loose ends got tied up. And I could just sit there and say definitively, like, this is the truth. There are no more loopholes, right? So I want to give you, I can't give you a two or three day uh, presentation. I can only give you about a 15 minute presentation, right? Uh, And maybe over the next several times I preach, maybe we can build on that. But I want to give you just some of the basic things from the scriptures that speak to and kind of lay the groundwork for what primitive Baptists believe. I I heard a man say the other day on the radio, and uh, he said, um, Christ's redemption plus our repentance is what puts you into heaven. You know, and and probably for any red-blooded primitive Baptist preacher, that's going to get their mind really rolling. And they're just going to be flooded with scriptures and they're going to be pacing and itching. And, oh, I wish I could talk to that person, you know. But it really got me thinking that that is a, probably the most common belief that you can find out there is that Jesus, uh, his, his work on the cross, plus what we do, and our response to his work on the cross, our response to the gospel, those things are all part of the equation that get us into heaven, Right? But what does the Bible say about it? Hank said, what are you going to title this sermon, Dad? And you know me, I'm not good at titling sermons. But if I, if I told him, I said, I don't know, but you know, maybe whatever Brother Tim thinks, I said, but the Bible tells the truth would be a good one. The Bible tells the truth. So I want to look at just a few things here. I can remember when I was a kid, and probably everybody's heard this asked before, uh, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, Right. Well, when I was a kid, and the first time that I, it's like that, that silly question, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And, you know, go waste your time on that, right? But somebody brought it up when I was just a kid, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And my mind just short-circuited. I couldn't process that. Well, you got a chicken lays the egg, but the egg comes, the chicken comes from, and it just, and I just, I mean, I was blown away. I was like, what a question. What deep theological dark question is this? It it bothered me as a child, right? But it's not a hard question, right? The Bible clearly, clearly answers that question, right? The Lord God did not create the egg, right? The Bible tells us that in Genesis, the second chapter, the Lord created the chicken, right? It said he created the animals, And he commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, right? He didn't create the apple seed. He created the apple tree. And he told the apple tree that your seed will go year after year and continue to replenish the apple tree, right? So which came first, the chicken or the egg? Genesis is clear that the chicken came first, right? So the question is this, understanding that, well, let me say this. The Bible tells the truth on that, right? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Hey, the Bible tells the truth. Well, which comes first, our response to the gospel or being born again? Which one comes first? Now, in most places that you go, I dare say that they would tell you 
that our response to the gospel, our hearing of it, our understanding it, our believing it, those things come first. And afterwards, as a result of those things, you're born again, right? That's what most, that's what this, this guy on the radio was saying. It's, it's, it's our understanding of Christ's redemption. It's our hearing that story. It's our understanding it and our belief in that that leads us to new birth, new life, and salvation, right? Well, the Bible tells the truth, right? So why don't we go look at the Bible at some of the things that the Bible says about that? And what, I'm going to look at uh, two, maybe three different places. Two of the three are out of Jesus' own mouth. Is this going to make you popular? No. Because in two of the three places that I want to look at where Jesus is actually speaking, the end result of him saying the things that I'm going to say to you this morning was, I believe in both places they called him a devil. And in both places they tried to kill him. So if you're trying to win a popularity contest, go believe something else, right? But let's look in John the 8th chapter for just a second. In John the 8th chapter, and I'm going to read just a few verses here you find a very heated argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. It, it would have been a hard argument. You know, you ever watched people argue before and you kind of get that secondhand embarrassment and you're like, oh, that's hard. It's just, you know, uncomfortable watching them. Jesus, listen, Jesus says some things in the Bible that I have no doubt in my mind if he preached them in the pulpits of America today, they would call him a devil. And they would probably throw him out. There's no question, Right? But in this heated argument he, Jesus has with the Pharisees, <clears throat> they're making their case about how religious they are and their Abraham's seed. And, you know, we're, we're bona fide Jews. You know, we got our paperwork and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is telling them something different. And Jesus says to this to them in John 8, let's say, um, let's say in verse 39 or 30, uh, 40, Jesus says, but now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Now notice this. How would you like if Jesus told you this? Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth. Ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin. And if I say the truth. Why do you believe, not believe me? Now notice this. He says, he that is of God. Now that word of means a point of origin. I'm the son of Alvin and Bonnie Hagler, right? That's where I came from, okay? That's why I exist, okay? I am from them. That is my point of origin. He that is of or from God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. All right. Now, he did not say, he that is of God heareth God's words, ye, ther ye therefore hear them not because you're uneducated, because you're stubborn, 
because you were raised in an ungodly home, because you live in a foreign country where the gospel has never been preached, because you're unintelligent or any of that. He did not say you, uh, he, he says, he that is of God heareth God's words, ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Notice in verse 43, he says, why do you not understand my speech? Even because not you will not hear my word, not you would not hear my word, because you cannot, you cannot hear my word. So that's in, in four verses there. He says two things to them that you don't understand what I'm saying because you cannot, not because you will not. And he says, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Now listen, that really doesn't need any explaining, right? Why do these people, number one question is this, are they able to hear his words? Of course they can hear him audibly, right? But is there a spiritual heart and a spiritual mind to hear those things? Are they able to? Jesus says no. He says you cannot hear those words. And then he goes on and to say, the reason you can't hear them is because you're not of God, right? I've heard this example used by many primitive Baptist preachers. I've never used it, but it makes a great example. And it's, to me, it's excellent for the kids. Do you know sitting here right now, all the words and images and pictures or whatever are floating through this room? I mean, really think about it. There are images and pictures all over this room that are invisible, Right? There are radio waves. There are television waves. I could pick up my phone and send one of you a text. And somewhere between here and there and a satellite, that information is being transmitted. Right? But if you're sitting back there with an AM, FM radio, right? And I try to send a text to that radio, it's not going to pick up my text. Why? Because it doesn't have the correct receiver built in it to receive that. Right? Uh, I could take uh, I could take this voice recorder right here and I could press every button on it in every single combination and it will never, ever pick up radio waves that are being transmitted through this room because it doesn't have the right receiver. But I could take a radio and sit it up here and plug it in and turn it on and instantly you've got music. Because it has something put inside of it that is able to receive the radio waves and transmit them, right? Why do these people, why are they not able to hear and understand? Why is that an impossibility to them? Because they don't have the right receiver. All they've got is a natural spirit of flesh. And I believe it's in 1st or 2nd Corinthians, it says... What man knoweth the things of God except the Spirit of God dwell in him? In order for the Lord to communicate, now listen, he could part the sky. He, he will communicate to all people. Understand, I'm talking about communication from a father to a child. For the father to communicate with us in that tender, loving way that the Lord does with his people, we got to have the right receiver. And that receiver is the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Amen. How can we receive the things of God unless the Spirit of God dwells in us? Right? So the Bible says this man over here, there, there are people, there are men, there are women that don't have that receiver. That is exactly what Jesus Christ is saying. 
You don't understand my speech because ye cannot hear my word. If you were of me, if you were from me, if my spirit dwelt inside of you, you would be hearing what I'm saying. I think it's over in John, the 18th chapter. He says the same thing. Uh, the Lord says the same thing to Pilate. He says, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now, let me look at another one. Flip over a few chapters to John, the 10th chapter. So number one, Jesus has established that the only way you can hear it with spiritual ears is if you have a spiritual heart and the Spirit of God is already dwelling in you. Amen. He's already established that. I don't need a hundred other verses to establish that. In John, the 10th chapter, in verse 22, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and the Jews walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Notice this. But ye believe not, again, not because you're hard-headed and stubborn or down on your luck or distracted. He says, ye believe not because... Ye are not of my sheep. Do you hear that? Why does this person not hear? Because Jesus says he cannot hear. And the only way he could hear is if he was born of God. That means born again. He looks at these other group of Pharisees and he says, You want to know why you don't believe? You don't believe because you're not of my sheep. That's the same way of saying because you're not of God. Right? Now, again, what's the result of those things? They try to kill him, and they call him a devil. I won't go into to great detail on, on another example here, but you remember 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them to understand them, for they're spiritually discerned, right? That's three different verses. One of them, Jesus says... You cannot hear because you're not of God. You cannot understand because you're not of God. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. He can't understand them. Jesus says you can't believe because you're not of my sheep, right? Now listen, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, our response to the gospel or the new birth? Jesus has said so clearly in these scriptures, that if you hear and it does something to your inner man, that is an evidence that you're of God. The Bible said, Jesus says, if you believe, that is an evidence that you are of God. How do you look the whole everybody in here ought to be amen in those things. That's the very doctrinal things we believe. Right. Right? Don't let that grow dull in your ears. Amen. Please let that excite you and un let you understand that. Why? Because you're sitting here this morning because you've heard it 
and you understand it and you believe it. That's why you're here. That is an evidence and an earnest of our inheritance that the spirit of God is dwelling in you. And it may be dull to you right now and you may not care much about it right now. But brothers and sisters, if your death is drawing near, which it very well could be, that's what you're going to want to hold on to. Is there's an evidence and a stamp on my heart that is the seal from God the Father that I am one of his. I'm, I'm not super intelligent. That's not why I understand. I didn't hear because I was in the right place. God changed me. He did something for me and you. And as a result of that, when his spirit speaks, our receiver picks it up and we're filled with light. Amen. Right? That excites me. If you have heard the gospel before, listen, if you're not of God and you're sitting here this morning, you don't even want to be here. I guarantee you, according to what the Bible says, you don't even want to be here. But if at any point in your life you have heard the gospel and it meant something to you, there's a reason for that. If you have understood those things and you believe them, There's a reason for that. And that's a sermon for another day on the two or three day journey of teaching uh, teaching you what the primitive Baptists believe that has been taught since the times of Jesus and the apostles. The reason for that is God has set his love on you and made you an object of his grace. And in order for us to commune with him, he gave us a part of himself, which is his spirit that dwells inside of us. And when we want to cry out to him, when we're broken over our sins, when we just want to, when we have an overflowing, thankful heart for the blessings he's given us, that's because we are his. And you can go to somebody that is not an object of his grace. And you can preach to them. And what does what Isaiah 26, 10 say? Um, it says, let favor be showed to the wicked, yet he will not regard the majesty on high. That's right. right? He will not. Uh, last verse I'll give you here. It just crossed my mind if I can find it. Jeremiah 6, chapter verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. I do not believe that is a description of the people that are here this morning. Or you wouldn't be here. But there are people that fit this description very well. And you can preach to them all day long and show them favor. But unless they've got the receiver that only God gives, they'll never pick it up. If you've picked it up before, we need to stay on our knees on a daily basis, thanking him for making us an object of his grace when none of us deserved it. None of us deserved it. That's just a little piece. That's just a little piece in some of the foundational things that we believe. That's called depravity. That's what we call it. That man in and of himself, without the influence of God, borning him again, will never follow, pursue, or care anything about the spirit of God. But for those of the those that have been touched by the Spirit of God, there's a communion there that we have throughout our life that is a blessed light for us as we walk every single day. I hope that that reinvigorates you for some reason. I hope that that refreshes you and reminds you 
about how special it is to be an object of your grace. And you are not smart enough. You are not pretty enough. You are not handsome enough to ever figure it out and receive those things unless the Lord has already born you again. See, the Bible tells the truth that the new birth comes first. And an evidence of that new birth is our desire to believe, repent, confess, be baptized and walk with him daily. Bible will not let you have it any other way unless you cut half the scriptures out and ignore the other a third of the other ones. Right. I hope that's been profitable to you. And please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.